The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. Heather McCoy Show. Welcome to the Heather McCoy Show. In our middle segment today, I'll be playing interviews I did late last night at Media Night for Pageant of the Masters. And rounding out the hour, we'll have Robert Larson joining us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. But first, we'll start off with a regular contributor, the blogger behind fillthescheme.com, Neil DeMoss. Welcome to the show, Neil. Hey, Heather. Hey, so um, kind of a low-key morning. We went exactly one show uh, without talking about the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> one show! It's like the safety days at work with no accidents or something. Um, but they are in the news again because Vivek Randive completed the purchase of the team last Friday. A few hours later, NBA Commissioner David Stern stated that the new arena to be built in Sacramento must meet, quote, a series of benchmarks going forward on the arena uh, arena's construction timetable or he'll pull the team away from Sacramento and send it to uh, packing to Seattle. Does this mean that uh, the would-be owner of the Sacramento Kings, Chris Hansen, the losing bidder, uh, starts funneling money over to the campaign to, of, to get the voter referendum to, uh, on the arena financing? Oh, that would be dirty pool, wouldn't it? It um, would be. It probably, hmm, <laughs> probably not, just because Chris Hansen doesn't seem to particularly be that kind of guy. And also, that would really, really, really make the NBA angry, right? Because they want to get this arena deal done. Um, and there's been lots of scuttlebutt recently um, about, like, oh, it sounds like Seattle's going to get an expansion team sooner rather than later. Um, you know, all complete rumors, of course, but uh, you have to think that Hansen is not going to, you know, I mean, if he, if he get, really gives money to the anti-arena campaign and then he fails, then he's really out of screwed, right? Because yeah. He's like, yeah, because the, the NBA will never give him a team then. So probably not. Um, but, you know, I mean, this, the NBA, you got Hansen, they played it perfectly, right? You know, at this point, they um, now are in a position where they're potentially getting two arenas, um, and they've managed to look like the good guys and say, oh, we're keeping the team in Sacramento, but it's, we're keeping the team in Sacramento, so long as you do this arena deal or else we're going to yank it right back away again. Um, And, uh, you know, they're they're good at the PR and they're good at the, the, the arena blackmail. I mean, they've been doing it for the last 20, 25 years, so they better be good at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the serious side, that you written that the campaign to override the Sacramento City Council and uh, to approve the they approve the arena and to override it, you need thirty three thousand signatures. That seems like a tall mountain to climb. Is a lot more likely way this falls apart is the fuzzy math around the parking lot fees, which is currently um, basically the primary source of funding for the arena. Yeah, I mean, the problem is that that can fall apart without the arena deal falling apart. You know, kind of like the parking garages in New York City, Yankee Stadium fell apart, but the stadium's still there and the parking garages are still there. It's just that, you know, the in that case, the bondholders are, are all out of luck because they, uh, they you know, aren't getting the, the money that they were expecting to because the bonds are going into default. Here, it's more likely that what will happen is there will be a shortfall and, you know, years later, once the parking revenues don't turn up, 
it'll be like, oh, you know, Sacramento has to figure out a way of bailing it out. Um, sort of like what we're seeing in Louisville with the, with the arena there, right? The tax increment money didn't come through, and so Louisville is having to, like, just throw money at the arena every year. Um, so that's certainly possible, if not likely, maybe. Um, but it's not necessarily going to stop the city council from signing off on this the way they did back in March, you know, giving a final sign-off to it and just saying, okay, fine, projections, you know, these projections that the Kings have come up with show that uh, we'll, uh, you know, have enough money, so we're just going to assume we're going to have enough money, and okay, fine, go, build. Yeah, this, I think the deal gives so many parking spaces over to the Kings. Is there any way to renegotiate that back so those parking revenues are more likely to line up and so it's not doomed to fail as it is right now? Well, I mean, you can renegotiate anything you want. They don't have a final financing plan. Um, they just have this sort of, you know, uh, uh, letter of agreement. Um, but, again, that not it doesn't look like that's what the Sacramento Council is going to do, and that risks you know the possibility of the NBA saying, oh, you know, that's not what we agreed to. Um, but you know, it's it's a kind of hardball that you need to play if you want to actually get a a better deal. And certainly, Sacramento could go back and say, look, you know, we need you to backstop this thing, right? You know, we think you're going to be able to pay for it with parking fees, but we need for the league or the team to you know have some responsibility if it doesn't come in the way it's projected. Um, but again, you know, the NBA and the Kings are not going to be happy with that. Um, and it's, it's playing hardball. And, you know, the Sacramento Council, at this point, you know, given who we've seen who's on it and given the way the votes have gone and given the um, ultimatum that the NBA just said, which is, you know, keep us happy or else uh, you're, you, know, you could lose your team again, um, I, I, I am doubtful that that's going to happen without a lot of public pressure, which would come from something like a, like a vote. Um, and you're right, that's a lot of signatures to get. It probably isn't going to happen for this year. They might have a better chance of getting it on the ballot for next year, um, but that could be too late if the council goes through and votes it in in the interim. Yeah, on the side note, it is kind of nice to have a, a timetable that actually means something, and it's not something where when you know uh, an owner throws it out and it's a completely meaningless timetable going, oh, I need this approved by two weeks. Oh, two weeks later, this is actually a real timetable, and they could go to Seattle. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, it's it, the NBA has set deadlines for uh, the Kings to decide things before, and they have blown every single one of them. So, <laughs> oh, okay, I know, didn't realize I mean, that. It's a timetable, but it's a made-up timetable, the same as anything else. And okay. if the league wants to change things, you know, and say, ah, oh, you need another six months, fine, here's another six months, they can totally do that, or they can not, you know. Yeah. But uh, it, 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 it's, it's just the NBA flexing its muscles, you know. It's just the NBA saying, hey, just because we're letting you keep the team in Sacramento doesn't mean we've forgotten about that arena deal. So, you know, snap to it or else, you know, we still have the, the capacity to, to completely undo this and send the team wherever we want. And how did a tech job stimulus for Sacramento get tossed into the story this week? Oh, I don't even know. Some columnist was like, like, oh, my goodness, the new owners of the Kings are tech people, and, and won't it be great to have tech people because tech jobs are so great? And it, I, I couldn't figure out from it. And at you know, some point in the article, it even like, said something like, you know, the, the possible implications for tech jobs are, at this point, unknown, um, which I guess is a nice way of saying, what on earth does an arena have to do with any tech job? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I mean, unless they've 
figured out uh, you know new ways of delivering your, delivering your hot dogs to your seats that involve uh, involve complicated IT tasks. Um, <laughs> you're gonna have to have a lot of people in there maintaining all of the you know 3D uh, holographic replay systems. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, 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 people will will when they want to support something like this will grasp at any straws they can. I think that was a, a good example of that one. Um, you know, it's it's a bad deal, and but it's a bad deal that at least if they do it, they're going to get to keep their team. So I guess you know that's the best you can say for it is at least they're spending a lot of money and they're getting something for it. You know, the team actually was going to leave. Um, and at least it's not just throwing money at uh, something that's completely worthless, like, say, the Miami Marlins. Yeah, um, just as a quick side note, uh, one of the rumored franchises for expansion was Seattle in 2015 and Omaha. 700,000 people? Seriously, Omaha? I, I don't know where the Omaha thing came from. I mean, it was somebody's tweet, and it could have been just that there was a list of, you know, 14 cities that they were going to look at, and one of them happened to be Omaha. Um, but you know, Omaha has a new arena, I believe, and the Kings used to spend some time in Omaha back when they were sharing time between there and Kansas City. And no, not seriously, Omaha. But I don't know. You know, I, I said a few years ago, I said not seriously, Oklahoma City. So um, you know, it's 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 really hard to say where the where the NBA is going. It probably depends on on, you know, what the other options are and, you know, what the best TV deals are. But, yeah, Omaha, it seems unlikely. Yeah. One of the stories that I've wanted to get to, but we've always been so stressed for time, is in Chicago where Mayor Rahm Emanuel towed a hard line with no public money being used to remodel Wrigley Field in Chicago. Um, but he, Rahm Emanuel does want to blow $125 million of city money on a new DePaul basketball arena, despite DePaul being a private school. Uh, does Rahm Emanuel over look over east about 300 miles to see the trouble at the KFC Yum Center in Louisville? Uh, how how much trouble they're staying at having a you know to stay afloat? You know, apparently mayors are like contractually forbidden from actually looking at what other mayors are doing. I don't know what it is, but it seems like <laughs> nobody ever learns the lessons of other cities. Yeah. Um, and to, you know, to their credit, the, pe- the people in Chicago seem to be somewhat aghast at the fact that um, Emmanuel is talking about spending all this money on a like mid-sized basketball arena for a sort of mediocre private college basketball team um, when Chicago already has tons of other arenas and when Chicago is closing down schools left and right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it just seems like a terrible idea. There hasn't really been a good explanation of why Chicago needs this or why DePaul needs this. Um, they said, oh, you know, conventions can use it. Um, it, it. My guess is it's one of these things where DePaul was, was sort of scouting around for, a, for an arena site, and, you know, manual staff was trying to figure out something to do with this uh, McCormick Place site and how to, you know, um, boost hotels and things like that. And was like, I know, an arena, arenas, those things are great. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, it's It's unclear at this point what's going to happen there, um, but it definitely has to be up there with the most unlikely and sort of dumbest plans, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the country. You know, again, it's a smaller amount of money than some other arenas, but it's just baffling why, why you know, that you choose this to throw money at. Yeah, I love their attendance numbers that are made up. They say 800,000 
uh, fans a game ticket sold, but actual scans are roughly uh, 2,600. Yeah, apparently the school, you know, buys a whole bunch of tickets on behalf of students. You know, the students have their student activity fees, and so they reserve seats for all the students who, you know, have the rights to those tickets, even if they don't actually use them. Um, so, you know, they're, they're basically counting their, their, uh, their class size and saying, oh, that's how many tickets we've sold. That's awesome. Um, and, you know, it, but all the economic projections that the city did were based on the idea that these people would actually be going to games and would actually be, you know, buying things and stuff like that, you know, shopping outside the arena or whatever people allegedly do when they go to basketball games. Um, and, uh, you know, they, again, they got called on it. Will that actually make a difference? I don't know. But um, it's nice that somebody noticed that the economic impact studies were completely fraudulent before the thing was approved rather than after. Yeah, we mentioned it twice. Speaking of the KFC Yum Center in Louisville, it came out this week that 37% of its revenues, that's a lot, come from the city, and Goldman Sachs are trying to use the arena as a PR story that proves that they aren't the giant vampire squid. Uh, What's going on with the Yum Center, which is the worst naming rights deal, I think, ever. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, so, again, this is another one of these things that was built for, for Louisville, right? For the, so for another, uh, another college basketball team. Um, and surprise, surprise, um, you know, they had all these projections that um, they were going to pay for it with all the new property and sales taxes that were going to suddenly appear, and that didn't happen. So the uh, city has been just subsidizing, and I think it's almost $10 million last year the wow. city poured into, you know, just subsidizing the, the operating costs. Um, and paying off the uh, the construction bonds, um, and that's yeah, like about thirty seven percent right there of of all of the revenues from the arena, um, and you know it, it, we we've seen this before. I mean, it's been reported for a couple of years now that the that the city was having to increase its operating subsidies, but then every once in a while you get one of these things saying, oh, the KFC Yum Center is now turning a profit, um, and it looks great until you read through and you realize. Yes, it's turning a profit because the city is giving it $10 million a year. <laughs> if you can't turn a profit in an arena when the city is just handing you $10 million a year, you know, spotting you $10 million a year to start, um, you are really, really in sad shape. So, um, you know, they've turned over the arena to AEG to run, um, which, you know, they're certainly professionals at it, but I don't know where they're going to suddenly come up with $10 million a year of extra revenues out of thin air. Um, so it's, I think they're in in serious trouble there. I mean, the the, the optimistic uh, thing that could happen would be that suddenly there'll be a lot of development around the arena, and then you know you'll have extra property taxes that'll help pay it off. That's a good thing in that it'll you know prevent them having to pay it off with general funds, but it's not necessarily a good thing in that that just means that all your development is being used to pay off an arena rather than used to pay for the other things that property taxes would be. Why did they give it to AEG? Uh, they run the Sprint Center in Kansas City, and they certainly haven't performed any magic there. I mean, the Center in Kansas City does okay. I oh, mean, okay. You know, they've definitely uh, managed to fill it with concerts, and they've, uh, you know, it, again, it's not necessarily that AEG is bad at the business of running arenas. It's just that arenas... You know, we've talked about this again and again. Arenas generally don't make money. You yeah. know, when you have to pay off three hundred, four hundred million dollars in construction costs and cover your operating expenses, there just isn't that much money in putting on concerts and a few basketball games to pay off all that stuff at the same time. 
so the Sprint Center is one of the most successful um, arenas in the country, but Kansas City is still losing money on it hand over fist because being one of the most successful arenas in the country is not enough to actually pay off your construction costs. Wow. You know, unless, you're, unless you're, you know, if you're the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, maybe, um, because you can be operating, you know, 250 nights a year and selling tickets for 70 bucks a pop. Yeah. If you're a very successful arena in Kansas City or Louisville or, you know, maybe even Seattle or Sacramento, not so much. Yeah. The most mind-blowing story this week on, on your blog site is that sports teams like the NHL or NFL are actually nonprofits. Uh, I think that he's Oklahoma Senator Tom Coburn and uh, produced a bill that uh, would revoke the nonprofit status of sports leagues. But that doesn't look like it's going anywhere in Washington. Have leagues always had this nonprofit status, or is this a recent turn of events? Um, it's been for a while. I'm not sure when they set themselves up as nonprofits and really started sort of funneling more more revenues into there. Um, but you know, it's it, the leagues have sort of established themselves as separate non you know more. Um, separate entities from the franchises, I guess, is the way I want to put it, you know? Um, it used to be that Major League Baseball was sort of just a vague, uh, uh, you know, cons- a vague notion of an organization. You know, you basically had a bunch of franchises, and they hired the commissioner, and you had the leagues and stuff like that, but um, there wasn't sort of this, this um, strong central, central agency. Um, and the leagues have sort of realized the benefits of doing that in, in more recent, you know, years and decades. Um, and you know, one of them is that if you're tax exempt, that you can uh, you can use that for to you know hide an awful lot of money from the from the federal government, which is what they've been doing. Again, is it the most important thing? No, I mean there are other other tax benefits they get, um, like using tax exempt bonds for stadiums and things like that, that that wind up uh, being way more beneficial to them. But it's kind of the you know one that uh, sticks in your craw the most. You know, I mean, why the NFL of all you know organizations should be not for profit. Um, just because they say, oh, well, you know, we don't turn any profit. We're just there to um, help all of these profit-making <laughs> enterprises that are our teams. Um, you know, why they should be able to do that, you know, I think seems ridiculous to, to any, any average citizen. Yeah. Uh, well, this isn't necessarily a sports topic. We were talking about it off the air, and it is pertaining to KUCI because we are mostly an indie rock station. Um, one of your favorite music venues is going away. Maxwell's in Holbrook in New Jersey? Yeah, we just found this out yesterday. Um, Maxwell's, you know, for people who don't know, um, is, you know, famed. It's been around for, I think, 35 years now. Um, it's the place where a whole lot of, you know, indie rock bands from uh, the New York area got started. You know, Tango, the Feelies, the DBs. I mean, it was, you know, just absolutely an irreplaceable facility um, that, uh, you know, really gave you the sense of music as, you know, live music is something that you can experience from three feet away from the people who are who are playing it, and you know they walk through the crowd to get to the to get to the stage. You know, the idea of music is something that's a part of a community rather than something you buy a ticket for and watch from you know across an arena. Um, and it's really special to me and an awful lot of other people. And you know, I mean, the first thing I thought of it when I heard the news was, man, this feels like when they tore down Yankee Stadium. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it's and it's and it's you know similarly being explained as that, uh, you know, the gentrification of Hoboken and the changes that have come to that community um, and the influx of money have made it, you know, something that they really can't support that, uh, that music venue anymore. Um, and, you know, it's a shame, and it's something, again, that 
is not going to be easily replaceable, just like, you know, if the economy changes in a way that you want to go back to having sports stadiums that are based around, um, you know, good cheap seats as opposed to lots of luxury boxes, you can't just go in and retrofit these stadiums that are being built. And the same thing, you know, if, uh, if there's a new uh, indie rock movement that tries to spring up, it's not like you can just suddenly create a Maxwell because uh, that's, you know, not... Uh, you know, that's 35 years' worth of history and, of, and a special place that's not going to be easily replaced. Well, I'm sorry for Holbrook's loss. That's really sad. Um, Neil DeMoss, he runs fieldofschemes.com. Uh, thank you for being on the show, and we'll talk to you next week. Sure, talk next week. Okay, this is the Heather McCoy Show.